Hey guys, welcome back to the Newsprint Commando. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Today I'm looking at Harrier Comics, Red Fox, number six, cover dated November sometime, 1986. Looking at the cover, we've got an image of Red Fox whose hands are bound behind her uh, back. She's down on her knees. She's been cut several times bleeding. She's got a really mean look on her face, like she's going to pay back whoever did this. And in the background, it kind of looks like she's kneeling maybe in a desert somewhere in the sand, something like that. Inside front cover is a very small indicia, but mainly there are uh, probably six, six different letters here. Uh, none are names. Well, one of the names, actually, I do recognize. Uh, it's a letter from Lissa the Axe, and uh, she is Red Fox's companions in the story companion rather in the story so interesting she uh has an address of post office box 104 targa so there we go i guess that's where lissa must have retired to when she quit her mercenary endeavors there so we open with a scene of a young lady clutching at the leg of an armored individual um, he identifies himself as captain of the guard for the town that red fox and lissa were in uh, Ramford is the name of the town. And the, they're at the scene, the captain of the guard with the young lady at his feet here. Um, I believe he says her name here. No, not on the front page, but we find her name later in the story. Um, they're, they're at a rather decimated location. Uh, there's smoldering remnants of something, whether it be woods or a town or a camp or something like that. We're not really sure based on this image. Now, by the end of the story, we know exactly where this has taken place. So this is current, uh, this first page, and then we go back in time as we read the story leading up to uh, what transpired, causing now, which is that first image. So we go to the town of Ramford, where Lissa and Red Fox are. Uh, they were there last issue also. For some extent, I believe they ended up there by the end of the story. But they're they're having a spat, almost a lover's spat, but not quite. It kind of has the feel of a lover's spat, but we haven't really seen that between them physically, uh, but perhaps emotionally we have. And we, uh, we're seeing as the story progresses that Red Fox is taking on some characteristics that are not normal to her. Uh, she is becoming more, uh, well, among other things, aggressive, but... Not just aggressive, it's aggressive in almost an, an evil kind of way. And we can trace that back uh, potentially to a ring that the Wester, the wizard SDQ gave her back um, a couple, three issues ago. If you want to pop back and, and listen to that, you'll, you'll see why he gave her a ring and, and what, what the ring really was. So they're conversing Lissa and Red Fox here about an incident the previous night involving a bunch of monks that apparently Red Fox killed. And again, that is a, a reference to last issue. They're, they're still, uh, we're getting a little bit more continuity now between from issue one to issue two to issue three. So a little bit uh, longer run connective tissues between the stories, things like that. I, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying uh, the book a little bit more as as that has been occurring, but they're they're going back and forth here. They they finally kind of make up, but not not really 
um, Lissa wants Red to be uh, repentive, I believe, of what she did, but Red refuses, uh, saying that what occurred was just a, the outcome was just a, a normal uh, resolution of what was going on, that there's, you know, not particularly anything to be concerned about with Red's behavior because where she was, what she was doing, just inevitably led to the outcome that there was. Whereas Lissa disagrees and says, no, where you were, yes, and what was occurring, but that did not have to be the outcome. It could have been a different outcome, and Red disagrees. And that that outcome basically being the killing of a group of unarmed monks who, I will say, was trying to prevent them from doing, they being Red Fox and Lissa, what they were doing. And so in order to accomplish what they were doing, something had to be done with the monks, and Red Fox decided that what had to be done was to kill them. Lissa doesn't agree. Ultimately, in the midst of their conversation, Lissa turns her back uh, to scope out a good-looking dude that walks by, and when she turns back to resume the conversation, Red Fox is gone. As they've been conversing, they've been walking through the town. There was a particular alleyway that opened into a particular scene that Red Fox didn't like when they were passing by. So now she has gone to that scene, having shaken off Lissa as her uh, mom and dad and conscience and, you know, what have you. Uh, The scene being the slave market there in the town. And a young girl is being, well disciplined at the end of a whip, we'll say. Okay. Um, I also need to say that uh, for those of you that find this kind of thing disquieting, I should say, um, this is a very misogynistic, very chauvinistic story. Uh, It does have uh, what you could term sexual abuse uh, because it's between a man and a woman, but more Actually, I believe it's it's just straight-up physical abuse of one person with power over another. Define it how you will. Uh, it's, it's very disquieting, unsettling. Um, it's the nature of the story, I think, and it, it goes to the changes that Red Fox is encountering, having put on uh, the ring that the wizard gave her and the changes that are, are being caused in her to show uh, what she is becoming capable of. The scripters, which actually I didn't tell you, uh, this story is scripted, penciled, and inked by Fox with an assist on scripts from Cat Leslie and an assist on inks from Dave Harwood. Jack McArdle did the letters. There is a shorter story uh, at the end of this where we catch up with White Fox and the Wizard SDQ briefly, where the creatives are exactly the same in the same places. So, Fox and Leslie decided that in order to show the negative changes that are occurring to Red Fox, she had to be put in more and more negative situations to, uh, not to counterbalance, but to show now the extent to which she will do what she feels um, she has to do or what she feels is right. And so, in this particular story, that situation is a band of slavers that Red Fox is going to interact with. So that that is going to be the story, and it's going to be progressively uh, more intense, have you? So a warning to those that may uh, want to pick up this book and read it, or you know maybe just off-put by some of the things that I say 
here in a few minutes because I I don't use a script. I have no idea how I'm going to describe what I described as I'm looking at it. Uh, I have read the book, so I, I do know what's coming up. But putting into words what is on the page, uh, maybe using some intense terminology if, if that's what comes to mind at the time. So uh, listener and reader beware, I suppose. So uh, back to the town here, Red Foxes. Um, Facing off against these slavers, um, trying to rescue the girl, I guess. I, I, that's not necessarily the point. The point is these men, uh, these people, but they ha- turn out to be men, are doing something that Red Fox doesn't agree with. And so she's confronting them about that. Confronts one, throws him down, picks up the whip. He's the, the person that's been whipping the girl. She, Red Fox picks up the whip. And having thrown him down, all the other men are just kind of taken aback by the effrontery, uh, maybe even the fact that this girl was able to do this to the dude, because the dude's kind of a burly-looking dude. He's not hes not wimpy. And after she throws him down, picks up his whip, she's going to give him some of the same medicine, right? She's going to whip him. It's, it's only what he deserves. And at that point, the other men in the group, the other slavers, the other sellers, buyers, whatever they may be at the, at the moment— Decide. I, I think most of these men are slavers because they grab Red Fox to keep her from whipping uh, this guy. One of them p- uh, pulls out a dagger to threaten her into submission with, and she calls on her sword, which she has been doing, has found that she can do since the ring was given to her issues earlier. But the entity in control of the sword chooses not to give her the sword. So it doesn't appear. So Red Fox calls out sword, but it doesn't It doesn't appear. So she's stunned, uh, allowing her to be captured by these slavers and turned into a slave herself. Ultimately, um, th- these slavers buy and sell and trade female slaves. Um, I don't see a male slave in the lot. But also, they will keep uh, the 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 best representatives of of their booty let's say you know the the best women to whomever's eye that they are that they are able to buy or capture or what have you as their personal slaves so ultimately you get the feeling that is what red is destined for not to be bought and sold but to remain a slave under these one of these or all of these men however it works you know never Having been part of a, a slave uh, trading caravan, I, I'm not overly familiar with the rules, so I, I don't know. But they uh, they capture her, and we see from the first page, uh, story page, this captain of the guard, he's um, decked out a little bit more because he's actually working here in the town. And he goes to stop because he has watched some or all of what has gone on, and he goes to stop because he understands red uh, it has essentially been well, not essentially. Red, Red has been kidnapped. She is not being bought and sold. She just has been snatched up by these slavers. And this captain of the guard saw that. Um, Mikhail is his name. M I K I A L. And as he goes to do something, he is stopped by one of the upper merchants, one of the people in charge, uh, to some extent of the town, being told that no. You know, they, they bring a lot of other business uh, into town besides what they do, which also, you know, gives the town money for 
uh, hosting, I guess you could say, the, the slave auctions and what have you. So this uh, councilman, let's call him, it doesn't want it stopped, doesn't think that's very good for business, and so calls Mikhail off. And arguably, there's not been anything done that is overly problematic according to the rules of this town. Um, and again, hosting a slave market, I, I suppose that you're going to be willing to turn a, a blind eye to you know, a lot of maybe underhanded kind of stuff as part of the, the nature of that business. Yeah, again, I, I don't know, but it's how the story goes. So Red Fox now is in a cart uh, with a couple other women, a couple sisters. One of these sisters is the sister that was clutching the leg of Mikhail at the, on, on the first story page. So we meet her for the first time, her and her sister. They have been captured uh, and along with Red Fox are in this uh, barred wagon, you know, a medieval looking slave prisoner transporty looking kind of wagon. Uh, going to the slaver camp, one of the slavers decides that he's going to, uh, I don't know, play with his catch, I guess is what he's doing, and gets a little retort and rebuff from Red Fox, which just causes the uh, the further ire, increasing the ire of him or adding him to the list of those that have been uh, ired by Red Fox in that she is not at all behaving like a slave girl. She, you know, it's, she is a normal girl uh, that still hasn't been cowed yet into the slave mentality is, is ultimately what we're seeing. So they get to camp, they take Red Fox, uh, they shuttle off the other girls. Here are, are your slave quarters for right now. We, we have to work on this one being Red Fox to get her down to the level of supplication that the other girls already are in. And we, we find out a little bit later in the story that the other two girls have accepted their lot in life. And I'm throwing up the quote marks here. And and we get a little explanation as to why, uh, what they're thinking on that is. Back to Red Fox. She gets put on a crucifix uh, that is an X. It's not the T. It's an X. Kind of like Wolverine in Marvel Comics was put on uh, an X in the desert by the Reavers uh, there at the end of the Australian Outback era when Jubilee appeared and saved him for the first time. That that kind of X. Yeah. I, and I don't know if that <laughs> reference will apply to most people listening. Uh, it applies to me. I'm a very, very long time and current X-Men fan. So uh, that story was out in the in the 80s, in the mid, mid-80s, I think. It's when the X-Men were in the outback. Uh, they had been reborn. They were invisible to all uh, types of electronic detection, so they couldn't be seen on video. They couldn't be heard on radio, all that kind of stuff. She's on the X, and uh, they, they beat her, uh, but not so much as to um, damage her externally, physically, because those marks will take money off of when they go to sell her because she won't look as good as she can. So, uh, which which is funny because she uh, comes back after her little educational session here. Uh, she comes back with her face rather beat up, but with the 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 typical hatching and lines and what have you on flesh to mark that they have been scuffed up and cut up and and what have you. So uh, I yeah I I would think any kind of beating someone receives physically is going to leave a mark. Um, so I, I I'm not sure what they're hoping to do. Um, you know I would think they would just like hit her leg one time and break it uh, if they wanted to do something that didn't leave scars. Same thing with her arm. 
uh, break her jaw because she's running her mouth. You know, I mean, those kind of things. But it looks like it's an, an outwardly physical uh, educational section much more that they they give to her. Finally, they cut her down, take her to the tent here where the other two girls are, the two sisters. And she is still very, Red Fox is, still very, this isn't right. You know, she's fighting as much as she can, trying to figure out what she's going to do, when she's going to do it, and everything like that. Uh, basically, the, the twin sisters' position is that they are, they, they don't have family. They're, they're alone. All they have is each other. But in the long run, they will need a man to take care of them or to help take care of them because they have nothing. Men have everything. And so in order to get something, they have to be teamed up with a man somewhere along the way. Ultimately, um, if you're nice to these men, they're nice to you. They're, they're not abusive. They're not, you know, and, and ultimately the sisters say it's not the best life, but it's not a horrible life either to be a personal slave to one of these men. And that's, that's their position. Uh, those of you listening, right or wrong, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that or debate that. Um, I, I will just say that, well, man, I, I really don't agree with this, but it's what's occurring in this little part of Red Fox's world. And she's a part of it right now. So, um, Goes through the night. Uh, we have some interaction between the sisters and Red Fox, and they see that that Red Fox is is not changed. As a matter of fact, she's not like a lot of girls. Um, one of the sisters says her skin was so cold, like she was dead, and her eyes, God's those eyes. So she has uh, Red has has come to a place where she has decided what she is going to do, and she is just biding time until she has an opportunity to enact her plan. That's that's how I read that. The next morning they come in. Uh, they've decided now. I don't know if this is Red Fox specific, or if this is what they do to all of their their uh, women. Uh, but they're going to brand Red, and the way this looks, it makes me think this is something specially for her, just to further her humiliation, since she is not breaking or has not already broke like the rest of the girls that they have captured have dealt with. So they've taken her outside. They've tied her back to the uh, crucifix, the big X, and they're going to brand her this time. Well, at this point, to stop this this entity uh, that she is in contact with via the ring that she wears, which, you know, I've been meaning to look, and I don't, I don't necessarily see that she's been wearing a ring. So I don't know where that ring is. I don't know if she's chained it and has it around her neck or, or where it is. Maybe, maybe she put it on one of her toes. I, I don't know. But I haven't seen it. But anyways, the, the entity that's been inhabiting the ring that's been working through her finally, I guess, decides that it needs to get its vessel out of this situation. So Red just absolutely erupts, literally, in energy. Much like, again, I, I'm I'm sorry if this is off-putting to anybody, my allusions to X-Men comics. It's, it's my longest standing reference. So um, uh, much like... A, a being, a, a person who is experiencing their energy manipulating mutant powers for the first time. It's this uncontrolled manifestation of these abilities. And that seems to be what Red is going through. She she becomes this being of energy that is just exuding out of her. Her hair is standing out from her head on end like, like fire or like the... Uh, emitting of some massive energy that is pulling her hair out with it. 
shooting from her eyes, shooting from her hands, just lighting up everybody, burning down everything in sight, including one of the twin girls who was who stepped in front of her twin to protect her. This huge nimbus cascade, whatever you want to call it, of energy that is coming from Red, just decimating to, to the ground everything. Nothing remains. That is the cause of the scene that we see on the first page. A little while later, once, once uh, whatever word gets out or, or news, whatever, and the captain of the guard of the nearby town comes to see what has happened. Finds the the young sister that's here. Uh, interestingly enough, though, uh, let's see here. Do, 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 bear with me. There's a reference here that's kind of interesting to me. The young girl is talking to the captain. I don't remember much after that, except I think I saw her leave. It was an age later, and nothing was left, and then I saw her. She was limping, and she didn't look terrible anymore, just tired. I could hardly see her, but I seem to remember her disappearing into the forest. But that can't be right. There isn't any forest around here. And she's absolutely right. They're in the middle of a desert. So what this image is, I don't know if Red uh, got transported somewhere, and before the, 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 the portal that she moved through before it closed, uh, this young lady was able to see to the other side and see that it was a, a forested uh, visage on the other side of this portal or, or what? I, I don't I don't really know. The um, There's nothing that really gives away that fact in the story itself by the way it's constructed. So I'm not sure what happened there, but um, we, we end up where we began. This captain of the guard, Mikhail, um, deciding to give succor to this lone survivor of this devastation that hit this slaver camp. Second story is a smaller story entitled White Lies. Uh, The title of this story was The Captain's Story. So White Lies, basically, we go back to the castle of the wizard Estiku. And this is a story that occurs between White Fox and Estiku. And then Raddy, or Shaquastikan, if you want his demon name, the familiar there that that the wizard has. Uh, he conjured for companionship. And then uh, after Red Fox left, he created White Fox for companionship. She's supposed to be a, a mugic, mugic. Yeah, I, I don't know what that was. Magically created duplicate of Red Fox. But she has her own mind and her own uh, person and everything like that. But she's White Fox is studying and she determines that this ring that the wizard gave Red Fox is Bad, and it's going to cause many problems. Uh, in that, the ring either harbors or is a conduit for a an evil entity, and that evil entity will continue working through Red until it has taken her over. And then, at the point that it has completely taken her over, it will manifest itself on our uh, plane, I guess you could call it, and start to wreak havoc. But either way. The end result is that Red will be either possessed or will be um, eat up in that she was just a conduit for this creature to pass through. Neither of which is a uh, cool thing that White Fox wants to see happen. So she decides that she's going to go save Red Fox by finding her and doing something with the ring, claiming it, throwing it away, whatever she's going to do, but disconnecting Red Fox from the ring. So she's putting all her stuff together, and she's trying to find Red Fox, but she can't. She has some sort of mental connection because 
they, they are linked because of the wizards of STQ's wizardry. And she tries, but she says, I can't reach her. It's like she didn't exist. So I'm wondering if this also plays back into the fact that the survivor of the slave camp girl saw Red Fox in the midst of a forest when there is none. So maybe the two together may be indeed Red Fox shifted to another dimension to escape the insanity of what was going on at the time at the slave camp. And there is no way for White Fox in our dimension to contact Red Fox in that dimension. And perhaps between those two scenes, perhaps that's what we're seeing. Ultimately, at the end of the short story, uh, the wizard, who was kind of uh, just whatever-ish about what White Fox was going to do, has decided to join her in her journey. He realizes that, yeah, he just wanted to do something, and maybe in his scatter-brainedness, what he wanted to do didn't turn out so good in giving Red Fox this ring. Um, And so he needs to correct it as well and agrees with White Fox. So they are going to... uh, quest out to find Red to get the ring back. End of mini story. Inside back covers an ad for Shock Therapy, another book coming out from Harrier. And the back cover itself, uh, the same, only the title is Second City by Paul Duncan and Phil Elliott, another book by Harrier Comics. Uh, Neither of these books I have ever heard of, so... I don't know. I'll I'll look and see how prevalent they are. Red Fox I had heard of on and off throughout the years of my collecting, and that's one of the things that uh, helped me decide that I wanted to talk about it. I finally wanted to sit down and read it. So, all right. That is the end of this episode. But next episode, we finally get an occurrence. I'll be talking about Pacific Comics, and I'll be talking about a month in which they had multiple books come out. I'm really excited for that, starting to get full into Pacific Comics publishing. Um, It'll be a couple books after this a month until a little bit down the road when they just pop loose with like two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven books in one month. That'll be an episode to record. Um, But it is the month of July 1982. And the three books will be Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers issue number six. Okay, we've, we've been there. But we will add Ms. Mystic number one and, oh boy, Pacific Presents number one. There's a very specific reason why I'm hyped on Pacific Presents. And uh, we'll, I'll, I'll save that. If you want to look that up, that's cool. Uh, one is because of a character and one is because of a creator. Although the creator of the character I'm into also. But those those are my two main interests. Finally getting to talk about this character and talking about this one creator that's in the other story. There's two stories in that issue of Pacific Presents. Uh, Ms. Mystic? Yeah, she started at Pacific Comics, for those of you that didn't know. But we will get into that more next time. Thanks a lot for hanging out with me, guys. I'll see you then. Ciao. Ciao.